What's up, everyone? I'm Joe Pompliano, and this is The Joe Pomp Show. Today's episode is with Scott Lawn, the CEO of Candy Digital. Candy Digital is a digital collectibles company that was co-founded by Michael Rubin, Mike Novogratz, and Gary Vaynerchuk. The company is less than a year old, but has already locked in an exclusive partnership with Major League Baseball. They've raised over $100 million in venture capital, and the business is currently valued north of $1.5 billion. In this conversation, Scott and I discuss what an NFT actually is, Candy Digital's ability to onboard the average person into crypto, why he thinks every single sports fan globally will eventually own an NFT, and more. This was an awesome conversation with someone that is quite literally building the future of sports tech, and I hope you enjoy it. But first, let's run through today's sponsors. First up is Whoop. Whoop is a 24-7 personalized fitness wearable that's here to help you improve your recovery, sleep, fitness, and health. Here's how it works. Each day when you get up, Whoop gives you a recovery score based on your sleep, resting heart rate, respiratory rate, and heart rate variability. Your score lets you know how to approach your day, whether you should push yourself during your workout or activity, or if you should skip the gym and take a rest day. You wear your Whoop on your wrist, bicep, or now within one of their new smart clothing garments called Whoop Body. The band connects with an app on your phone and automatically measures your heart rate, calories, and activity levels throughout the day. The band also automatically detects and classifies your workouts, so there's never an issue in forgetting to press go on a run anymore. You can then analyze your activity and recovery levels in your app. There's also a ton of coaching features within it, like Strain Coach, which gives you target workout exertion goals tailored to your body's recovery level for that day. Those goals change over the course of the day, depending on how active you've been. That coaching is really where Whoop shines. Whether you're interested in how CBD or alcohol impacts your sleep and recovery, or are just wondering how long of a run you should go on, Whoop is there to provide you with personalized data to make sure you're aware of the impact that these decisions have on your body. Whoop is offering 15% off their all-new Whoop 4.0 right now with the code Joe. Go to checkout. Whoop.com. W-H-O-O-P.com. And enter Joe, J-O-E, at checkout to save 15%. Sleep better, recover faster, train smarter, and now feel healthier with Whoop. Next up is 8sleep. 8sleep has dramatically improved my daily performance. Good sleep is the ultimate game changer and nature's best medicine. Consistent good sleep can help reduce the likelihood of serious health issues. Yet still more than 30% of Americans struggle with sleep and temperature is one of the main causes of poor sleep. For me, I was never able to get a good sleep because I was always too hot. But now, I am falling asleep in record time, faster than I have before. All thanks to my 8sleep Pod Pro Cover. The Pod Pro Cover by 8sleep is the most advanced solution on the market for thermoregulation. It pairs dynamic cooling and heating with biometric tracking. You can add the cover to any mattress and start sleeping as cool as 55 degrees Fahrenheit or as hot as 110 degrees Fahrenheit. The temperature of the cover will adjust each side of the bed based on your sleep stages, biometrics, and bedroom temperature, reacting intelligently to create the optimal sleeping environment. The result? Eight sleep users fall asleep up to 32% faster, reduce sleep interruptions by 40%, and get overall more restful sleep. The Pod Pro cover by 8sleep is so popular, it has garnered attention from CEOs, high performers such as Olympic gold medalist Red Garrard, and top CrossFit athletes including the 2021 fittest man on earth, Justin Medarios, and UFC heavyweight champion, Francis Ngannou. They're all powered by 8sleep to make the most of their workouts and recovery. Good sleep is the ultimate game changer. Go to 8sleep.com Joe to check out the Pod Pro cover and save $150 at checkout. 8sleep ships to the USA, Canada, and the UK. And last but not least is Underdog Fantasy. The Knicks play the Lakers on Saturday night, and the best way to get in on the action is through Pick'em on Underdog Fantasy. 
Just pick over under on your favorite player's stats and you could win up to 20 times your money in a single night. Will RJ Barrett score over 20 points? Will LeBron score 30? Go to underdogfantasy.com, the App Store, or the Google Play Store and sign up with code POMP. That's P-O-M-P. And Underdog will match your first deposit with up to $100 in bonus cash so you can make your picks and win big. That's underdogfantasy.com. Promo code P-O-M-P. All right, let's get into this episode. Joe Pompliano runs Pomp Investments. All views of Joe Pompliano and his guests are solely their opinions and do not reflect the opinions of Pomp Investments. You should not treat any opinion by Joe or his guests as a specific inducement to make a particular investment or follow a particular strategy, but only as an expression of his personal opinion. This podcast is for informational purposes only. All right, everyone. Today, I'm joined by Scott Lawn, the CEO of Candy Digital. Scott, I talked to you a little bit about this beforehand, but I selfishly want to use some of this time to just learn more about your business. I think NFTs are a fascinating new industry that has popped up and it's really become adjacent or connected to sports in some degree. And I think what you guys are doing at Candy Digital is fascinating. So first off, how are you today? I'm doing great. Thanks, Joe. Amazing. All right. Uh, Let's get that out of the way. Second off, before we get into what Candy Digital is doing and some of the projects you're working on and the future of the space... Let's roll back and go over your background real quick, because for those that don't know Candy Digital, this is a partnership between Galaxy Digital and Fanatics, right? So some of your board members are Michael Rubin, Mike Novogratz, Gary Vaynerchuk, right? So I know that you came from finance, but I want to learn how you became associated with that trio of people and, and why you got involved with Candy Digital. Yeah, absolutely. So my sort of origin story in this space actually goes all the way back to school. I actually studied architecture. So I'm an architect from MIT who ended up in finance. So I kind of took a left term early in my career from a creative pursuit and an engineering pursuit into the world of finance. I spent about 27 years in that business, always thinking that, you know, maybe I was going to be there for another couple of years and you know, you pick your head up one day and you've, you've got a long career. But what kept me in that business was always, one, the pace of change. The world of finance is incredibly competitive. It's constantly changing and evolving. And two, I was always focused on the intersection of technology and finance. And so how do we create new financial services products? How do we create new marketplaces? How do you bring investors or consumers into a brand new market? And so that was always what was interesting to me. And then the business or the role that I had in those businesses was always as the business builder. So it was the product creator, the team builder, the business builder. And so I got involved in blockchain back in 2016. Mike Novogratz, who you mentioned, who's the founder of Galaxy Digital. Mike and I worked together at Goldman Sachs and then were partners at Fortress Investment Group. And so when we were partnered in that business, it was very much around how do we build this big global investment business that was focused on macro investing. But to be a successful macro investor, you're really looking at the future, right? You're trying to predict trends of where the world is going. And, you know, that may be betting on currencies, it may be betting on interest rates, it may be betting on equities, but ultimately you're looking for these big mega trends. And so in many ways, the blockchain story is a macro story. And so in 2016, as Mike was setting up Galaxy Digital and really starting to tell the story of blockchain, its potential, and what was the path for the big institutional money managers, kind of the big capital riders of the world to start to move into the space, either store of value or really looking at distributed computer, smart contract. How do you start to disintermediate a lot of what was already built into the financial system? That resonated with me for everything that I had kind of done in my career. 
So I started to get involved in that space. And then fast forward really until 2020, was sitting out with Mike talking about, okay, aside from cryptocurrency and DeFi, where's the big opportunity to tell this story to tens of millions, hundreds of millions and billions of people? And what does that path look like? And for lots of different reasons, content is a great pathway, right? It's a great vehicle to connect people to new technology. And so my background, aside from the business and finance side, actually leans more heavily into the art space. So we actually spent time, you know, thinking about what was going to happen in art, in music and culture. And then, you know, we landed really in the sports space. Galaxy had an active sports business it was building out. You know, you look at billions of global sports fans, you look at passionate communities of fans, and then a sports collectibles business, obviously, that's been around for decades and was sort of turbocharged by the pandemic. Lots of reasons why that made sense. Mike Novogratz and Michael Rubin knew each other through business and through some philanthropic activities. And so that was really what kind of formed that conversation of that initial partnership between Galaxy and Fanatics in, in getting this business off the ground. Okay, so... Just the level set here. How is the business structured? Is it like a subsidiary of Fanatics, right? Because I think of Fanatics, they just acquired Tops, obviously, in the news, and they're getting this major trading card business off the ground. I think it's already worth over $10 billion or so, but they have their name attached to this, obviously, through a partnership with Galaxy Digital. So maybe just talk a little bit how that relationship works between all those entities. Yeah, absolutely. So what is now Candy was set up as this JV between Galaxy and Fanatics. Fanatics is the majority owner. And so when we started the business, actually, we were really in 2020, unless you were in the crypto world, no one was really talking about NFTs, right? And so we were really looking at how do you take the collectibles business, physical collectibles, fractional ownership of physical collectibles and digital collectibles. How do you think about taking ownership of these things and putting them on chain? And then how do you think about digital assets on their own as a standalone collectible? And so, you know, as we looked at what that path of adoption was, frankly, I think we saw the future. We felt like it was going to be a while until the idea of a standalone digital asset as a scarce collectible might have brought appeal. And so we started building that business, thinking about all of those things. 2021 hits, people auction Top Shot Explosion, SNL Skit, you know, you name it. Suddenly everyone wants to mint an NFT, trade an NFT, buy an NFT, figure it out. And so we pivoted to really saying, okay, let's focus on the digital opportunity here. Let's make sure that we're out talking about that. As we went through that process, and certainly there's no better company on the planet than Fanatics, who has those deep relationships with the leagues, the teams, and the athletes. I think Michael realized that this wasn't necessarily just a standalone business opportunity. This was something that could really be transformative for Fanatics. And so as we've been building the company, Fanatics has also been sort of moving from a pure retail e-commerce play now into an e-commerce business, a trading card business, a sports betting business, and a digital asset business. So we're very firmly part of the Fanatics family. Gotcha. And have you guys been able to leverage, maybe this is jumping ahead a little bit here, but I know one of the things that Fanatics has, I don't know if boasted is the right word, but they have certainly made it known that they have a database of maybe it's 80 million or 100 million customers at this point within their infrastructure. Have you guys been able to utilize that at all or no? We have. And listen, that's frankly kind of our unfair advantage, right? Which is, you know, we're on this journey to go from the crypto native community to what we'll call the digital native community, then to the tens of millions and hundreds of millions of everyday sports fans. And so there's no better database in sports than Fanatics has, right? In terms of understanding who the customer is, 
what sports they prefer, what teams they support, what individuals they follow. And so being able to work closely with them and create opportunities to bring those customers and fans into the digital space, and then finding opportunities where we can actually pair digital products of candy with physical merchandise from fanatics. That's a super powerful mechanism to just make the pie much bigger. Yeah, I totally agree. So I'm curious, as someone you mentioned earlier that you had heard about blockchain first in 2016, I believe six or seven years may not be a lot to some people, but in the crypto world, that's a lifetime, right? So kudos to you on for that. But like, in my mind, there are still a lot of people, sports fans in general, that just have no idea what an NFT is. Or maybe they have some idea, but they can't explain it well. They don't know how to value these assets. They're not exactly sure what they should do with them. How do you explain what Candy Digital does to like the average sports fan? So we approach it a little bit upside down, I would say, than other folks in the space. So what we call Candy is we call it a digital content consumer products company that lives on a robust blockchain infrastructure. And the reason I say it that way is that we don't think our mission is to explain blockchain technology to our average customer or to necessarily convince people that owning an NFT is the future of the way that they're going to be a fan. What we want to do is we want to say, hey, listen, there's a new technology that's out there that allows for this unique ownership, creates verifiable scarcity and ownership. And we can utilize that technology to create something that doesn't change what you're doing today, but extends the idea of being a fan and a collector. And so if we can start to introduce the idea that increasingly the world is going to go digital, right? We're on this journey, right? So if we've drunk the Kool-Aid, we've absolutely drunk that Kool-Aid, right? The genie's not going back in the bottle, as they say. And so regardless of who we're talking to, if we're talking to a 16-year-old, a 26-year-old, a 46-year-old, or a 66-year-old, if we can provide someone with a compelling asset that's digital, that helps them understand, okay, this is something that's new and interesting, ties me back to the sport, may have value over time, or maybe just as something that helps me to kind of express my identity as a fan, then we don't have to sell the tech below it, right? People can get there when they're ready for it. And so Candy is set up really to kind of abstract that crypto layer away for the average consumer, put in your email, swipe your credit card, own a digital asset, but then to have all of the security, the functionality, and the sort of future-proofing of where this whole space is going. Yeah. So there's a few points in there that I want to touch on. One is just the general onboarding of people into crypto. So as someone who has been involved in the space from a relative perspective for a few years now, one of the biggest maybe limiting factors I hear are things that could keep constrained or adoption down for the foreseeable future is how hard it is to onboard someone into crypto, right? So you got to go download the wallet, you got to buy Bitcoin or Ether or whatever it is, and you got to go set up everything. There's just a million different steps that go into it. It can be certainly confusing. Where do you see Candy Digital's Role in that process, right? So like NBA Top Shot is a good example. They were in beta, but they onboarded thousands of people. I don't know what their user list is, but I'm assuming you guys are in a similar capacity of using your infrastructure to onboard people to something that feels more real to them in a collectible space versus go set up this wallet, go buy this Ethereum, and then go buy this random NFT on OpenSea. Yeah, 100%. That really is one of the core tenants, which is make this really easy, make it simple, make the user experience from the time you create an account to purchase your first NFT, to connect it to the community, to secondary marketplace, 
as smooth as possible, right? And so we absolutely believe that the number of digital wallets out there is going to continue to grow and expand. And ultimately, right, we can have a whole separate conversation about what that digital wallet is going to represent. It's going to be your identity in many ways. You know, Will every website that you visit have your digital wallet linked into it? Ultimately, yeah, right? I think we're going to move to a world where there's much more fluid cross-chain functionality and there will be, just like today, you use your Amex, your Visa, your MasterCard, there'll probably be a handful of digital wallets, you know, whether it's Coinbase or whether it's MetaMask, there'll be room for more than one. And that connectivity will be pervasive across your entire digital experience, whether it's a commerce experience, a social experience, or an entertainment experience. Like, that's where we're going. And so... What we want to do is we don't want to be in the business of selling people on all the tech steps that you have to take to get into that space. We want to make it really easy and then provide all of the functionality for our customers as they're on their own journey to get deeper and deeper into it. Gotcha. So how do you think about these assets in general, right? Because I think some people see them as collectibles, just entertainment value. Some people see them as an investment, as an actual investable asset, similar to, to sneakerheads or something else in that space. And then some people just see them as as some sort of a digital flex, right? And maybe that's a little different when it comes to collectibles versus a, a PFP project or something of that nature. But ultimately, there's kind of different reasons why people buy these. Do you guys have one avenue that you've kind of gone towards or is it a combination of all of those? We've taken the approach that there's no one size fits all to being a fan in this space and that we're so early in the market, we've chosen not to say, hey, listen, this is Candy's product, but we're going to lean into this product and we're going to try to partner with multiple people and create the same product. We've said what we're really interested in doing is partnering with someone like Major League Baseball, taking all of the assets they have, right? Static imagery, video, audio, digital signatures, motion graphics, et cetera, in creating a series of different products. Some of those absolutely are going to be high value. They're going to be things that are scarce and rare. People are going to buy them because they think they're going to go up in value and retain value. Some of those things are going to be things that are more utilitarian. Hey, I, you know, my NFT helped me get a better seat at the ball game, right? Or unlocked a sponsor promo or something like that. And some of them, frankly, are just going to be personal memorabilia. This is, you know, it's a PO app, right? This is my record of having been at that game or watched that game or sort of captured that particular moment. I think it's too early to say what the killer app is going to be. And so we're just saying, hey, listen, as a fan, I know when I go to a Yankees game, right, there's different things that I care about. And what I care about is being a baseball fan might be different than you, right? You know, what you do when you show up at the stadium, who you bring with you, what you eat, where you sit, all that kind of stuff. So we're trying to create these ecosystems of digital products that can connect with all those different versions of fandom. Okay. So my next question would be around why you started with the MLB, right? I think some people see Major League Baseball as one of the professional sports leagues, especially here in North America, that have an older fan base and is probably less likely to know or care about NFT specifically. So was this just a matter of, you know, it worked out relative to relationship and timing or was it something else? I think it's probably a little bit of both. If you think about baseball, there's no question their average fan generally is getting older. And so they had a real desire to figure out how do they connect with the next generation of fans in a new way. 
as a league, Major League Baseball is actually one of the most forward thinking in terms of trying new technology. And they've actually done some stuff in the blockchain space before. So already had some perspectives on what worked and what didn't work and how they wanted to approach it. And then I think, you know, if we go back to kind of the thesis of this business, really thinking about collectibles, the baseball card, right, the physical piece of cardboard has been at the core of the sports collectibles business for almost 100 years. And so thinking about, you know, what we call the evolution of trading card 1.0, the cardboard, trading card 2.0, the digital picture of the cardboard, and trading card 3.0, which is what we're focused on, which incorporates all those media assets, like telling that story makes a lot of sense with a partner like baseball. Gotcha. And I'm going to put you a little bit on the spot here. I hope you don't mind. But like, you guys raised $100 million Series A at a $1.5 billion valuation, I think, right? So like, how big is this business? So I'll give you a cheeky answer, which is like, what's the market cap of culture? And I say that because what I'll say is, we don't know. Talking to investors and talking to partners and you say, hey, listen, what's the TAM of NFTs? The reality is, is if you look at content broadly, right? And you look at, you know, let's just start in the video game space. You know, the numbers are somewhere around 45 or $50 billion spent on in-game purchases in video games. Those are for skins in Fortnite or power-ups in, in another game. And those aren't NFTs, right? Those aren't things that as a game player, you actually own, but it's a big business. You start to increase that and you look at, you know, what's the spend on streaming services, and entertainment, right? Things that connect people to stories. You know, you start to get into the hundreds of billions. And so when you think about NFTs, you know, whether it's in sports or across any content, the idea of a technology that allows you to connect with those media assets, own it and have utility really should become pervasive across everything. And so the numbers get really big really quickly. And how have institutional investors, so I know SoftBank is an investor, I think Insight was an investor in the round. How have institutional investors that obviously invest in a wide array of businesses, but seemingly some more traditional businesses as well, how have they responded to these types of businesses? I think the big VCs have been very interested in this space. 2021, there were records amounts of money invested broadly in blockchain and and a lot of it in and around NFT businesses. And I think, you know, for very much the same reason, which is when you hear about an NFT at first and you're like, okay, wait a second, I could pay $100 to own the JPEG that I could copy for free off the internet and make a million copies of it. Like, why does that make sense? But when you understand, okay, the analogy I like to use is you say, hey, I've got an art print and there's 10 prints of that image. They're all the exact same image, right? But we know that they're physically distinct copies. I've got one hanging in my apartment. You've got one hanging in your apartment. They're different, right? This is the digital version of that, right? And so I think when that idea clicks around rarity and scarcity and ownership and this path of digitization across media, that's where the big investors say, hey, there's something fundamental happening here. This idea of Web3, right, of empowering creators of moving sort of the central players who own this content and distributing that is the next phase of our digital life. And that's what gets them excited about investing. Now, what the path looks like, whether 2022 is going to be another crazy year like 2021, whether we're going to go through this crypto winter and that's going to impact the pace of adoption of NFTs, like no one can answer that question, right? But I think everyone feels very comfortable that we're moving towards a future where this technology is going to be part of everyone's life. 
So one of the things that I've said in the past and take this with a grain of salt, because I don't believe in pushing these things on people, right? Like there's plenty of people who just do not believe in NFTs right now. They do not get the technology. They don't see the value in it. It's just not for them, right? Maybe they're too old. Maybe they're young and still don't get it or whatever it is. But I've said this before, and I think it's true, which is I believe at one point in the future, every single sports fan is going to own an NFT, right? And the reason why I believe that is because they're going to do things like I had the CEO of SeatGeek, Jack Grotzinger on, and he said every single ticket he believes in the future is going to be tied with an NFT. You're going to get an NFT for each ticket, right? So there's going to be a collectible aspect to it. You go to the game, you do whatever, and there's an NFT. There's going to be utility around some of these NFTs. So you'll get perks associated with them. Maybe it's with the players, maybe it's with the teams, but it's a it's a way to engage and strengthen that relationship between the leagues, the teams, and their fans. Do you believe that? And if so, why do you believe it? A hundred percent. The Story of being a fan, right? It's an identity story. Why do I collect a baseball card? Why do I have a signed jersey? It's because I'm connecting with the team, the player, the sport that I love, right? I'm telling my story as a fan. I'm connecting with my community. And so NFTs are the next technology, right? That allows me to do that in a dynamic way. And because it's a digital asset, that team or that player that I'm following, they actually know who I am, right? Maybe they don't necessarily know my name and where I'm sitting, but they know my wallet. And so as a league or as a team, you can then say, hey, who's the biggest Mets fan, right? Who's collected more of the Mets NFTs and who's collected more of the Mets NFTs? How can we reward that fan for their participation? When I go to Yankee Stadium and I'm sitting in the stands and I check in my Yankee Stadium Series NFT, that may unlock a special opportunity or experience for me. And so to me, the answer is 100% that's where it's going because it allows for that connection as a fan to be much more personal and much more interesting. So I'm curious, this is a little off topic relative to maybe candy specifically, but just the opinion of social tokens versus NFTs. So there's this new, I don't know whether it's what to call it, but there's a trend emerging where these social tokens like Socios have popped up and a bunch of leagues and teams have agreed to deals with these to institute these tokens. I've gone on record before. I'm not a huge fan of them. I think that there was probably a little bit of misleading marketing going on around what you were going to be able to vote on, what you were going to be able to contribute to, what you're going to be able to control. And ultimately fans have been able to do things like vote on the social media graphics, vote on the pregame music, right? And it's a difficult decision because ultimately I believe that sports and their fans, they have one of the strongest bonds and connections in the world, right? Just historically, the way people spend money, the way people interact, the fandom that you previously just mentioned, but it has kind of been underutilized for at least the last several decades. It hasn't fallen that same path. So do NFTs replace this to a degree? Like do social tokens still have a purpose in your mind if Candy Digital is able to work with teams and leagues to distribute these as a mechanism to strengthen that fandom? You know, I think the idea of tokenized communities is a powerful one. Finding ways for communities to benefit through their participation and activity. I think the model, frankly, in the sports space, at least that we're pursuing, is that NFTs can also serve that purpose, right? So as our products become more pervasive in baseball, already figuring out how do you take someone who's a active collector? How do you find those opportunities to reward them in real life? How do you provide those interesting experiences or tie physical and digital objects together? That's in many ways a tokenized community, right? They just happen to own a digital baseball card or a digital jersey. 
than a fungible fan token, right? So I, I think we see those things living side by side. The fan token piece of it feels a little bit more like a rewards mechanism. Like I've accumulated so many points. But could an NFT serve that rewards mechanism also? For sure. For sure. I don't necessarily think one is going to win is what and one is going to lose i think probably each league is going to figure out either how those things live side by side or maybe there's a little one and more of the other we're leaning into the nft space because we are really focused on saying hey for these things to be pervasive there's got to be some emotional connectivity to what it is right like i really care about fernando tatis and so i want to own his card and oh by the way candy digital's card actually tracks his statistics. So every time I open up my NFT of Fernando, his batting average is updated, his home runs are updated. So I'm getting value connecting me to his performance because I own this digital asset. That's a different value prop than a fan token. So I want to talk a little bit about fanatics and kind of the role they play here, because in my mind, fanatics, and I've said this many times, I think they've done a better job than anyone when it comes to realizing incentives and aligning them with partners to have the best outcome. Right. So when you think about their apparel business or even their trading card business that they recently launched, what did they do? They went to all the major players and they said, hey, you're going to invest, you're going to get equity or whatever, but we're going to align our incentives to where you are an equity shareholder or you have capital at risk and we're going to get exclusive agreements and we're going to build this business together. So they gave them upside or whatever it was the case, but they built a massive business, not only in apparel, but trading cards and memorabilia and other things. So you guys, they're obviously the majority shareholder here and one of the larger entities involved in this project. There is a partnership already ongoing with MLB, which we've talked about. But what happens next, right? Because the way I look at it is the NBA is obviously been taken off the board with NBA Top Shot. The NFL and the UFC are in similar predicaments here. So do you guys start expanding ancillary to other sports leagues or do you venture into art, culture, and, and et cetera? A little bit of both. Some of the other leagues that we aren't partners with yet absolutely have done deals. But they've also taken a different approach to the space than Major League Baseball has. Major League Baseball wanted a single partner to build this business together with across assets. Other leagues have sliced and diced their rights a little bit. So there are still opportunities for us to partner with some of the other major leagues in the U.S., and we're excited about that potential. The world's a big place. There are other major leagues outside the U.S. that we're having conversations with. And then very much, even from the day one when we set this business up, we said, listen, we're going to start in sports, but our approach to the space and this idea of connecting fans to content in new ways is applicable across entertainment, music, art, culture, etc. And so we're deep in those conversations and expect to announce something in that space in the next couple of months as well. Awesome. All right. I won't press you on it, but I hear you. All right. Let's talk about utility for a second. How do you think about utility when it comes to NFTs in general and more specifically the NFTs on your guys' platform? I think we think of it simply first, because again, we try to make everything simple to make it understandable. And then we see, I'd say, more complex and different levels of engagement going forward. And so very simply, we put an engagement or a gamification layer on every project that we do really built around what it means to be a collector, right? So everything we put out, there's like a collecting challenge. You finish your collection, you get a new NFT. That NFT may or may not come with a physical item or an experience that's attached to it. And so there's value in not just in owning the single asset, but sort of being active in the market and, and building that collection. On top of that, we see utility with our partners at baseball and at the team level where next season when it comes around, if you own particular NFTs, or if you've completed certain challenges, you'll actually get utility at the ballpark. 
right? That could be tickets to a game. It could be a free beer from a sponsor. It could be unlock or an upgrade of another NFT. So something that doesn't just live on your phone or live on your computer screen, but actually you connect with and creates more value when you use it or when you're a participant in the sport. Over time, we see that becoming more gamified, right? So there's ways to build engagement layers and games on top of these NFTs that for the fans who want can engage every single day. And there can be, again, other rewards, whether those are physical rewards or digital or or other. And then as these communities build and the number of products that are out there, we see some of that utility getting really personal, right? So if you are Justin Turner and, you know, we put out a limited edition of a hundred Justin Turner NFTs that become Justin Turner's super fan club, right? Justin Turner can go on Twitter and anyone who follows Justin can get that message. But if you're a holder of one of his hundred NFTs, he may be sending messages directly to you as a fan, right? And content. And so using NFTs as these ways to really create personal and curated experiences for the people who are expressing their fandom at a totally different level. So I want to double click a little bit on the gamified aspect of it, because I think what we've seen is a lot of people have have started to really focus in on this business model, whether it's play to earn, like Axie Infinity has been very popular in, in other countries, or maybe people are familiar with it. I'm sure you are so rare, obviously, sure. and Europe has been very popular in a gamified aspect involving NFTs. So how do you guys foresee this coming about? So I think, I mean, listen, simply people love to play games, right? I mean, one of the reasons we love sport is we love the competition, right? You love fantasy. You love watching the game with your buddies. You love competing against other teams. And so a natural extension around collecting anything is figuring out how you create a gamification layer. You can look at the broad fantasy games that are out there, which involve hundreds of players and, you know, season long competitions and things like that. That's too heavy handed, right? We think the right thing to do is start to create these shorter term one-to-one or one-to-many competitions that provide some utility to your assets, basically give you an opportunity to either buy or sell in the secondary market, kind of build your collection, win some things, unlock some things. And so that's the way that we'll start to introduce gamification. Like anything, once people start to get involved in that space, there'll be some people who want to keep it going, right? And ultimately, you can see like a really involved fantasy structure. But I think where we are, not just for candy, but at just the broad space of NFTs, we're really focused on just making them fun, right? How do you create that engagement layer where it makes it interesting for someone every single day or every week to kind of set their team or compete with their friends? And, and that'll be kind of 1.0. And not necessarily specific to gamification, but just NFTs and collecting them in general for sports fans. How quickly does this accelerate? Because in my mind, right, this was non-existent two to three years ago, obviously. And in the last year or two years, it's really picked up. But where are we in like five to 10 years? I think we're going to probably have across our business and the other major players in the sports NFT space, we'll have millions of customers collectively by the end of the year. And I think in five to 10 years, you're going to have tens of millions of customers. It's not going to be solely on the shoulders of the NFT companies. A lot of it, as I said, is going to be on the wallet companies and the exchanges, right? They're the big funnel of bringing the next hundred million people and billion people into the space. 
And NFTs, frankly, are going to be one of the primary use cases. So for everyone who opens up a Coinbase wallet and now owns some Bitcoin or some Ethereum or, or an altcoin, et cetera, you're going to have that from an investment perspective, but you're also going to say, hey, this is part of my journey. And so what am I doing in the NFT space? And if you're a sports fan, that's going to be a natural place. The other thing in sports that's happening, obviously, is it's where the bulk of the advertising money is going, right? So monster deals from the crypto exchanges and some of these other NFT companies or fan token companies. And so people are just going to see these logos, right? Whether it's on an umpire's uniform or advertised in the stadium or the name of the stadium. And so the mindset of folks will continue to lead towards understanding, okay, what is this? Why is it connected to sports? Should I get involved and how do I do it? Have you guys seen any data around crypto and sports that makes it so attractive from an advertising perspective? So I know Sam Bankman-Fried, who runs FTX, obviously, he mentioned a while ago, they've spent hundreds of millions, if not a billion plus dollars on sports advertising by now with stadium rights and official league partnerships and individual athlete deals. And one of the things he mentioned a while ago that caught my eye was that he said the average sports fan is two to three times more likely to know about crypto and be interested in crypto than any other industry outside of finance, right? So if you're FTX, you initially go after people in finance. I think that makes the most sense. They're interested in investing. They see a new asset class with good returns and they go after it and they, they download the app and they, they engage. Next up, it seems like people are going after sports. Why do you guys think that is? And have you seen any data to complement that? So I think it's exactly what Sam mentioned. There's a reason why the most popular athletes on the planet are in massive demand, whether you're selling watches, selling crypto, selling cars, right? These are global personalities. And again, that people feel the need to figure out what they're doing, why they're doing it, and how they're doing it, and emulate that. So whether it's an athlete that you want to become one day, or it's a celebration of her or his athletic achievements, that's why sponsorship of athletes is pervasive. It completely makes sense in the crypto space as well, if what you're trying to do is talk to the everyday fan. And so just thinking about scale, ultimately, this is about community, right? As you know, the crypto space is largely about community. The NFT business and market has grown because of the success of the communities around these projects. And so sports properties and sports leagues represent communities of tens, hundreds, and billions of people. And so it, it just makes a tremendous amount of sense as a way to connect people to something that they already know and trust to introduce a new product. So I know you guys started on the Ethereum blockchain and then you moved off of it. And now I think you're on the Palm blockchain. Can you just talk me through why you guys decided to do that ultimately? So philosophically, when we started the business, one of the first questions we asked was, should we build our own blockchain? And as we looked at the opportunity in the space, what we thought the value was that we were going to add to our partners on the league side and ultimately to our customers, it wasn't necessarily to go build a better blockchain, right? There's lots of folks who are building alternative layer ones and layer two solutions. And so I think given our DNA from Galaxy and really having kind of a front row seat at the development, both from the infrastructure and the content side, as well as the tool side, we said, listen, you need to be part of the Ethereum ecosystem. That's ultimately where we believe the bulk of the financial capital, the intellectual capital and the development time is going to be based around. But we're all very familiar with the limitations of Ethereum in terms of gas costs and transaction speed and sustainability. And so we looked at sidechain and, and layer two solutions. 
we ended up deciding to mint on Palm. Palm as a project, you know, that comes out of consensus. The team there has spent almost a decade working on protocol and really mapping out the future of the Ethereum ecosystem. And so very much purpose-built to address some of the current concerns about minting on Ethereum, but with a view towards, you know, where Ethereum 2.0 is going and having that functionality and connectivity. So that's where we ended up. We started, frankly, minting on Ethereum because we hadn't built our platform yet. As we were basically building up our platform, we wanted to be in market with product. We partnered with Bitsky. Bitsky was a team that we knew from our Galaxy days and really liked what they were doing in terms of the white label wallet space and kind of that ease of storefront experience. And then once our platform was ready in October, we launched that with Palm. Ultimately, we see Palm and Ethereum as having connectivity through a bridge. And as we continue to move forward, we believe there will be cross-chain solutions that we'll connect with. That's not where we're going to win. We're not going to build that technology ourselves, but we'll be in a position to partner with the best in class out there. So people have been talking about college athletes monetizing their name, image, and likeness for maybe even 100 years now, but I don't think they expected one of the top use cases to be digital collectibles, but you guys are doing some interesting stuff on the NIL front with some college athletes. Can you just talk me through that? Yeah, I mean, listen, this was an interesting development in 2021, right? I I think it almost caught everybody by surprise how quickly suddenly it turned on a dime. And for us, it was super simple, right? It was... You have a group of college athletes who now have an opportunity to sort of utilize their name and image and likeness in a commercial way. And we have the opportunity to create the first rookie card for these folks. And so if we're really thinking about what the future is, do you want your first rookie card to be cardboard or do you want your first rookie card to now be a digital asset and an NFT? And so our thesis around our Sweet Futures, Candy Sweet Futures product was to say, Let's take the top, in the case of football, the top 22 college athletes. Let's create their first rookie card in digital format. We just announced a few days ago, we're extending that now into the basketball arena. So we'll have uh, the top eight to 10 college hoops players will now have their first rookie card in the NFT space. And so we really see, we think about that community and the journey that they're on. This is exactly where they need to be as they move through their careers and ultimately, you know, into the pros. So I want to ask you one more question, and it's not necessarily about Candy Digital, but more personal. And it's, you've worked in traditional financial services most of your life at this point, right? Between Goldman Sachs and Fortress and more capital. Do your friends think you're crazy now for what you're doing? They're jealous, man. (laughs) You know, do do they get it? Like one of the things I'm interested in hearing about too is I've seen a bunch of intellectual capital and financial capital obviously flow into the space. And I think that it's been crazy, but no matter what happens, some people think we're going to have a crypto winner. Some people think NFT prices are going to plummet, all this stuff, right? But just seeing not only the developers, but the intellectual capital that's flowing into the space, smart people like you and others that are working on meaningful projects and building during this time period. Like it gives hope, I think, to a lot of people that are looking at these projects and saying, hey, I'm buying these, I'm buying that, I'm interested in this. What is it going to be a year from now or five years from now? How do you think about that front? Are you seeing similar things that make you feel good about the space? Absolutely. In many ways, you know, if I go back to the transition that I made from traditional financial services into the hedge fund world in the early 2000s, I was really at the cusp of that business expanding dramatically. And A lot of people in traditional finance made that move because they said, hey, the world of alternative investments is something that is going to be transformative for the broader space. And there is a need for infrastructure. There's a need to bring people in who have experience and build businesses. 
I don't want to equate the crypto world or the NFT world to the hedge fund world because they're quite different. But in many ways, we're seeing some of the same trends in what happened last year. And I think what, what's happening going forward, like, you know, listen, I'm an old man in the space to some degree, right? But what I bring to the table is I bring to the table 27 years of building and growing global businesses. And so if I'm going to sit down with the major sports leagues or the major IP owners around the world and really convince them that Candy Digital is building a sustainable, strong infrastructure and a safe pair of hands to manage their brand and their customers, I've got a lot of credibility given what I've built before to bring that to this new market. And so what I think I'm seeing generally, and you know, we, listen, we saw this after 2017, after kind of the first blow off top, that's when the real work began in this space, right? It's, it's where you know, the companies now that have emerged as the winners were just getting off the ground, building the infrastructure, building the business model. I think what we're seeing now is the next wave where these businesses now are less speculative because I think people have now have the faith that whether it's a DeFi business or a cryptocurrency business or an alt one solution or an NFT business, that there is a market that's going to keep getting bigger. And so now the question is, how do you build a business that's sustainable and scalable at a global level? And there's more people like myself, for better or for worse, coming into the space to help do that. How much time do you spend thinking about different protocols and blockchains, layer one, layer two, all of this stuff? Or are you just more heads down focused on trying to build on the NFT front? It's more of the latter. We have very strategic conversations around where we see the ultimate infrastructure going, right? Like we need to be thinking one year, three years, five years ahead of ultimately what's the landscape going to look like and how is Candy preparing itself to partner either to shift as the infrastructure layers shift or to have multiple partners in the space. But our agenda today is very much, let's really focus on how do we create compelling products and how do we bring the tens of thousands, hundreds of thousands and millions of people who are not yet in this space into the world of NFTs. That's what we eat, drink and sleep on. And you know we allocate a meaningful, but a smaller percentage of our time to really thinking about the infrastructure piece. So you're not losing sleep watching Bitcoin or Ethereum decline 50%, thinking that the Fed's going to hike rates five or six times this year, outside of your personal I, portfolio, I maybe. Gonna, I don't I know. But. Say, we we got to draw a line between PA and, and my business, but I feel like we're totally in the right space, right? If our mission is to really think about how do we create assets, digital assets for $10, $25, and $50 that are compelling and interesting and engaging to fans, I'm not worried about where Bitcoin or Ethereum is, right? There are existential events that could happen that will make all of our businesses go away. So hopefully that doesn't happen, but I feel like we're absolutely in the right spot. All right. I got two more for you, then I'll let you go. One, are you guys going to be accepting crypto as a means of payment on your site? We are on our roadmap. Most likely by the end of the first quarter, we'll have crypto payments integrated into, into the candy experience. Okay, cool. And then two, how do you think about regulation? when it comes to NFTs? Coming from a regulated business, right? I spent 27 years of my life really thinking about securities laws, compliance, information transfer, materiality. So for better or for worse, you know, that was sort of beaten into my skull for my entire career. I actually think it's advantage as we approach this space because we know where the bright lines are today and we know where there's a lot of gray area, but make no doubt about it, as crypto and NFTs become more pervasive, regulation is the future. So I think where what I'm interested in and what Candy's interested in is leading that discussion. I used to spend 
not immaterial of a portion of my time going down to D.C., meeting with Treasury, meeting with the Fed, meeting with Congress to talk about what was happening in financial markets. We're going to need to do that as an industry. Candy Digital isn't going to do it on its own. You know, we want to partner with the other players in the space and kind of help to be part of that conversation. So we don't wake up one day and suddenly there's bad regulation that's passed that was a damper on everyone's activity. Gotcha. All right, man, I will let you go. I appreciate you doing this. Where can I send people to find more out about you personally, but also Candy Digital? www.candy.com is where everything lives. And then Candy Digital on our Discord. Come join our community. How did you guys get www.candy.com? That is a long story for another podcast, Joe. All right. Fair enough. All right, Scott. Thank you so much for doing this. I'm rooting for you guys. I think you guys are building a fascinating business and hopefully we can do this again, maybe in the next year or so when you guys are launching more products and stuff. Yeah. I'd love to really, really appreciate the time. All right, everyone. That's it for today. I hope you enjoyed this episode. And as always, I appreciate you listening to the Joe Pomp show. Make sure you subscribe to the podcast on Apple or Spotify so that you don't miss any episodes going forward. And if you are looking for additional content, check out my daily newsletter at readhuddleup.com or follow me on Twitter at Joe Pompliano. I hope you have a great day and I'll see you next time.